Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to chsrhealthylife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. chsrhealthylife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. You're tuned in to Real-Time Relationships. Enter the world of successful relationships. You'll get insider tips on how to navigate the perils and pitfalls of modern dating and up-close-and-personal real-life stories you can relate to from Dr. Camarado's personal clients. Dr. Marianne Camarado is a relationship expert, author, and media personality who continues to enjoy her own long-term successful relationship. And now, here's Real-Time Relationships with Dr. Marianne Camarado. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Real-Time Relationships. I'm Dr. Marianne Camarado, and today we're going to be talking about LGBTQ marriages and divorce, relationship uh, dissolution. If you want to stay tuned with us this hour, uh, we've got a beautiful uh, guest with us today. Abby Goldberg is joining us uh, talking about her new book, LGBTQ Divorce and Relationship Dissolution, this hour. Before we get started, I want to give you a little bit of background about this subject and why it's been um, coming up so much in all of our lives. Um, it's about time, obviously. So many of us are railing against uh, the, the conventions. Um, but it certainly is an important conversation no matter what part of it we're looking at. Um, we know in 2015, for example, the U.S. Supreme Court made same-sex marriages legal in all 50 states. If you didn't know that, that's uh, something important to know before we move deeper into this conversation. Um, that being said, while LGBTQ marriages have their unique challenges in general, they have challenges when it comes to ending a relationship and a divorce, and we're going to find out more about that today. Um, Professor Abby Goldberg will be joining me to talk about these relationship concerns, focusing on divorce and relationship dissolution, of course, but we're also going to talk about um, the facts about divorce, uh, the unique kinds of challenges and stresses same-sex couples uh, need to consider when going through a split or, embark- or embarking on divorce. Um, we are also going to talk about how other people have met these challenges um, and done so well, ending well. Um, and that was another thing I wanted to bring up before we got deeper into the conversation is I find in the last 30 years of working with folks and as a relationship specialist that often we don't know how to end well because we don't have a lot of models for uh, rupture and repair that end well. We see how things can go awry. Uh, it's one of the reasons that Abby Goldberg's work uh, piqued my interest. You know, we don't have a plan. We often just have the rupture. Things fall apart. We try to stop the bleeding and do the best we can. But if we could plan these things out, uh, we might have a better chance of repairing them. That being said, this particular group of folks um, has some very special needs and concerns when it comes to relationship dissolution, which is what we're going to talk with our guest, uh, Abby Goldberg, about today. We're so glad you're with us, Dr. Goldberg. Thank you for being here. 
Thank you. Yes. So, look, we know that your research, um, those of us who know you and our fans, uh, focuses on parenthood, relationship quality, well-being in diverse families, and so forth. And uh, one thing I found interesting is in the last 15 years, you've been conducting a longitudinal study of adoptive parenting among lesbian, gay, and heterosexual couples, right? So, but despite this, you say, despite the, sorry, and you also say, despite the inevitability, reality, that some same-sex couples, including those with kids, do end up separating or divorcing, there's very little research about this um, same-sex divorce experience. So I want to start there. I mean, it's not a big stretch to wonder why that is, um, but I'd like to hear in your words why we haven't um, got much research in this area. That's a great place to start. So, um, you know, one of the kind of the big impetus for doing this book is, you know, we have a little bit of research from other countries, you know, where marriage equality has been kind of the status quo for a little bit longer than it has in the United States. And we do have some work on kind of what happens when same-sex couples split up, even if their kids are not kids in the picture. Um, but marriage specifically, right, and divorce specifically as opposed to just relationship dissolution um, is, of course, you know, that's pretty new. So we haven't had a lot of studies in the last, say, four years um, that sort of tracks, you know, who, who divorces, when do they divorce, why do they divorce, what happens afterwards, because this is so new. That being said, of course, same-sex couples have been forming relationships and ending relationships probably for, you know, as long as there have been people. So um, when we talk about divorce, it's important to talk about it, you know, yes, the legal phenomenon, but that's why the title specifically talks about, you know, dissolution, because, of course, we do have a lot of work um, on dissolution, just not divorce specifically in same right. couple. Well, you made a really interesting point there in terms of that this has been going on since, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, a million years maybe. <laughs> Who knows? We don't have any documentation, but relationships, we're relational creatures. So naturally this has been happening not necessarily in the, uh, the framework of marriage, but certainly in a relationship, right? Right. So what makes this a unique um, scenario uh, is, is actually quite extensive. When I was going through your book, I was surprised and thought about, oh, gosh, you know, if you're a hetero person or even a gender-fluid person or you're not in a same-sex relationship, some of these concerns, while they would affect you, they will affect you differently. So that's what makes this, this conversation so important on, on, on some level. But let's start with talking about the demographics of these same-sex couples. Um, first of all, that being uh, one of the things that I think is interesting is some marry, some don't. Same with other um, uh, relationships, right? But let's talk about same-sex folks. Some marry, some don't, and how are those demographics uh, similar or different than, than hetero folks? Well, like I said, you know, as you already said, with the research is so new. Um, but when we look at kind of why do same-sex couples get married, how are those that, you know, get married, may, how are they maybe different from those folks that don't right. get married? Um, well, we know that having kids or wanting children is an impetus for that, right, just like it is for heterosexual couples. Um, when you want to have kids or you already have kids, you want to protect those relationships. And so that is a huge motivator for same-sex couples. And it also helps to explain why more female same-sex couples than male same-sex couples get married um, because they are also more likely to have children or to want children. 
So it's more of a, you know, it has more appeal in the sense that they want to protect those parent-child relationships and not just a couple relationship. Um, in terms of race and ethnicity, social class, there aren't significant, you know, differences that we've been able to find so far. Um, but, you know, the more money you have, the more often you want to protect those resources. So folks may be more motivated to marry or be able to see what they're going to get out of marriage if they have more resources. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll be more concerned about protecting those resources. Mm-hmm. Well, this is an interesting implication for gender studies, right? Because we're there's still the big debate, right? Is is gender nature or nurture? Um, and that some women want to have babies. Um, is that really true across the board, right? What do you think about that? <laughs> That's a very interesting question, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, well, same-sex couples, female same-sex couples are, um, you know, some have babies through donor insemination and some adopt. Um, one thing that I've found over time is that uh, female same-sex couples, uh, there is a certain number of them that don't have any interest in being pregnant. Uh, they don't want to have a biological child. They don't particularly care about that. That's not important to them. And sometimes those partners are lucky enough to be partnered with people who really do want to be pregnant and have a biological child. So it works out great. One partner wants to be pregnant and one partner doesn't. Uh, and some, sometimes neither of them want to be pregnant or have a biological child. And so they just go right to adoption or they try insemination for a couple cycles and they say, eh, you know, it's not really working out. We're, you know, no big deal. We'll just kind of move on. So there's is a lot more variability, I would say, um, you know, as a generalization among sexual minority women than among heterosexually identified uh, male partnered women in mm-hmm. terms of their desire to be um, pregnant or have a biological relationship to their child. And, you know, a lot of that might have to do with our kind of script for parenthood and partnership that there's just, you know, they're they're less set in stone for same-sex couples, so there's more of an opportunity to think about what do I want or what is a good fit for me? Do I want to be pregnant? Is that something that, that I want for myself as opposed to just saying, well, women get pregnant and they have babies, and so, you know, um, I guess that's what I should do. So there's more of an opportunity to really think about what works for the partners and, and the couple. So in terms of, thank you for that, in terms of this idea of marriage and marriage as an institution, you know, we can look back as far as you know, Western culture allows us with the written word to look at uh, the, the transfer of um, property and ownership and chattel and all that stuff. And then it became, a, you know, in the you know, early 19th century, a matter of love and connection and sort of making a public declaration that I want to be with you. Uh, regardless of the, 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 the evolution of marriage, would you say that this traditional idea of marriage sort of overshadows this uh, choice to be, uh, in, regardless of your sexual orientation, do you think this social norm sort of looms over or, or is, is sort of um, fills the fabric of who we are or compels us? Mm-hmm. And what's the relationship there between the, the social construct and our, our gender identification? when it comes to marriage? 
Oh, that's a huge question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, know that's huge. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> question. Um, I think it's so hard to say, right? Um, when people say they want to get married, you know, who's to say whether they're, it's the script, it's the idea, or it's, you know, like you said, is it, is it that they really want to, the love and the commitment, and it's something that, you know, people really buy into. I think, again, to bring it back to kind of the LGBT community and what's interesting and unique about the relationship between marriage and that community um, is that, you know, for a long time, same-sex couples were, and certainly gender nonconforming folks, were excluded from, from marriage, right? Um, not allowed to be married. married. Right. And so the relationship to that kind of construct or that institution is different um, because all of a sudden when it's, well, now you can access that, um, you know, there's all kinds of complicated feelings about that. Again, it's not taken for granted. It's just something that we want to be a part of. Do we want to be a part of this institution? Is it about love? Is it about being like straight couples? Is it like being a part of this thing that for so long has really ostracized us and, and made us outsiders? Mm-hmm. Um, so to some extent, I think there has to be um, some thoughtfulness around what is this institution? What are these scripts? Do we do we like this traditional idea, idea about of marriage? Can we go into this marriage um, and not be like straight couples? Can we redefine marriage? Can we, as one would say, queer marriage? Can we make it our own and and really um, you know make it something unique and different and not just fall into kind of scripts? And I think a lot most same sex couples would say absolutely we can do that. We don't go into these relationships as a husband and wife, so we're necessarily redefining what marriage is. Right. Yet, again, a really important question because you have to take those things into consideration Mm -hmm. just given the way that you were able to uh, have this relationship out loud versus the last, you know, however many millions of years we haven't been able to, correct? Right. And and then divorce is where it really becomes apparent, right, because of the heteronormative nature of marital law. That's right. That's right. So we're just trying to set the stage here. If you're just joining us, um, I am talking with Dr. Abby Goldberg about her new book, LGBTQ Divorce and Relationship Dissolution. We're just setting the stage because I think it's important to dissect some of these things or at least identify um, how we come to where we are uh, in the, the sort of what we used to think of as a fringy conversation is now mainstream and, um, you know, has its own unique complications, yet Yet, and, and not in some ways. Love is love, right? Relationship is relationship. So making these distinctions feels really important, especially if you're out there yourself in one of these kinds of relationships. Maybe you've been separated, divorced, or wanting to end a relationship or even start one. So it's good information for you that supports you on your journey. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what makes some same-sex marriages more stable. Before we get into the divorce, I wanted to yep. beef up the marriage part a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, and you talk about this in your book. Uh, what what makes some same-sex marriages more stable? Uh, well, um, you know, money never hurts, right? So being financially stable is, is certainly uh, beneficial in that, you know, if, if you don't have a lot of financial stress, you know, you're more likely to feel feel good about the relationship. Mm-hmm. And by contrast, having a lot of financial stress is usually not great for relationship quality or stability. Um, another thing that's really good for relationships, and specifically same-sex relationships, is um, sharing and sh- sharing labor, sharing um, dividing up 
household and um, paid labor somewhat equally. And that has a lot to do with the fact that same-sex couples value equality in their relationships um, to, a, to a perhaps greater degree than heterosexual couples. So being able to not just value that but to embody that um, appears to be associated with relationship stability. Um, and then there's all kinds of personal qualities and characteristics and kind of approaches to your relationship that are very similar across sex and heterosexual relationships that are good for relationships. So having a sense of humor, um, being willing to compromise, right, all the things that really just beef up relationships, um, you know, not, not speaking to your partner in a contemptuous way, um, not obviously being violent, right? These are things that are not great, great for relationship quality. Um, so, so just kind of good, good coping skills and good kind of inequality. Mm-hmm. Do we have a sense of the divorce stats, marriage and divorce stats? I haven't done my research on this myself. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping you have. You know, yeah. the average heterosexual relationship lasts uh, approximately, mm-hmm. you know, 17 years, um, 50% of them end up in divorce, even more in California and the East Coast in the United States. I don't know about Europe and abroad. What what do we know about same-sex marriage stats? So, again, it's a little bit different depending on whether you look, you know, what country you look at, whether you look at the United States, and this may be getting ahead of ourselves, but, you know, what is the beginning of a relationship and what is the end of a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. it's very complicated. So that's one of the big problems when we start talking about divorce because if a same-sex couple has been together for 15 years and then they get married, you know, for, and then three years later they divorce. Well, what was the length of the relationship? Was it three years or 18 years? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest problems that we run into when we think about divorce for same-sex couples because, you know, if you're getting a divorce, you know, divorce counts just the length of the marriage, not the length right. of the Right, right. That being said, we know that same-sex couples, um, you know, in some countries they appear to be somewhat less likely to divorce than heterosexual couples, like, you know, the Netherlands and the U.K. have been keeping these data. But then in others, in other studies, um, they show equivalent levels. They don't seem to be more likely to split up, um, according to most research, except there is some research now that shows that among parents, among parents, same-sex couples, and specifically female same-sex couples with kids, may be more likely to split up than heterosexual couples mm-hmm. with kids. And gay couples with kids, yeah. Which, which is encouraging to me because of all the attachment theory studies we've been doing, right, over the last 15 years. And they say that the folks who have healthy attachment end up staying married longer if you value actually keeping a commitment to stay in a relationship, this is, right? I'm not yeah. saying that this is the end-all, be-all marriage, right? But we are talking about this sort of the mainstream thinking. Um, and I think that's really interesting mm-hmm. that, you know, we maybe there's a correlation there between folks that just have a healthy attachment, even though you, you know, same-sex um, or, or being uh, gender-identified very differently has its own challenges. Um, what, what happens as a child makes a difference. Right? Mm-hmm. If you had a little bit more stable upbringing, maybe your relationship is going to, regardless of what challenges, whether it's your gender fluid or uh, same-sex marriage or whatever it is, you can handle it better. I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, I think that should be your next common, book. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's very interesting. Somebody else can do that. Um, yeah, right. com- but common factors, right? They're common factors yeah. that are just good for relationships, right? Exactly. So, like, you're absolutely right. If you have a secure relationship with your with your parents, 
and you know when you cried they came you yep. learn to depend on people and trust people then of course that's going to positively right. influence your relationship your interrelationship right. Absolutely. Those values that we learn as young people. I'm, I'm pointing this out because so often, you know, when something becomes a meme or, you know, it's a conversation that has been marginalized, we are so likely to sort of take on these ideas that we haven't investigated fully. So I like to pull the microscope out so there's greater hope, right, for relationships in general. So I'm sort of trying to champion that um, along the way um, as I learn about this this topic myself. Let's talk a little bit about the stress factors for a same-sex relationship. It's one of the chapters in your book. Um, we named some of the, the stresses, but let's drill down just a little bit on what's unique about the stresses in same-sex marriage. Yeah. So the kind of some of the more unique stressors that same-sex couples might face um, you know, if you think about a series of kind of concentric circles and all the places where a per person or a couple might encounter resistance, stigma, stress, mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to see how these pressures could be pretty significant for a same-sex couple, depending on where they live and depending on who they are. So at the broadest level, right, you know, policies that um, you know, disadvantaged same-sex couples. So as, an, as just one example, the lack of, you know, an employment non-discrimination policies. Um, so people can be fired for being gay or, they, or, or whatever. Um, for female same-sex couples, they're disadvantaged, of course, by the wage, um, the gender wage gap, right? Well, for two women, you're making less money um, than men. Uh, and so that's another way in which female same-sex couples specifically are, are disadvantaged. Um, all the places where same-sex couples might encounter discrimination, so in the neighborhood, you know, dirty looks when you walk around your neighborhood, um, holding hands. Uh, schools, you go to register your child for kindergarten, and uh, you get looks and disapproving sighs when you try to cross out one form and say that your child has two dads or two so, and then at the level of the family, right, families might be non-supportive, for example. Got it. Abby, we're going to go to break in just a minute. Um, we come back, I want to talk about, is, is this cross-culturally that we're talking about? We have some more questions for you when we get back right here on Real-Time Relationships. I am interviewing Dr. Abby Goldberg, her book, LGBTQ Divorce and Relationship Dissolution. More when we return right after these messages. Do you have relationship questions? I wish my past relationships didn't affect my relationships now to the point that I project them onto my partner. I'm perpetually single. What does that mean? You know, I've been single for 15 years and at this point I can hardly even imagine what intimacy and total connection would even feel like. The part of my relationship with a man that I've had in my life for so many years that keeps me here and present is that the relationship is not just about me, about us. We come in at 50-50 and it feels so good when you can help that other person move forward and they can help you. To get answers to your relationship questions, call in to Real-Time Relationships with Marianne Camarado every fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on HealthyLife.net.
For the best in business class travel, count on Cheapo Air. Cheapo Air has the best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service, and easy booking online or by phone. To experience your hassle-free journey, start by going to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Cheapo Air. Reach your health and fitness goals. Whether you want to lose weight, learn to dance, build muscle, or just live healthy, Beachbody gives you unlimited access to the nation's most popular fitness and weight loss solutions. Visit our advertiser page and click on Beachbody now. Radio your way. HealthyLife.net everybody to real-time relationships. My name is Dr. Marianne Camarado. I am here with Professor Abby Goldberg. I love that you're a professor. Professore. (laughs) Wonderful. Your research has been amazing and so commendable. This is an area of um, importance, particularly in the Western culture, really all over the world. But in the West, we are we seem to be really in the thick of this cultural shift. We are in a paradigm shift that most of us wouldn't argue about, although I don't want to hear about it from the folks who, who do. That's another show. We're not talking about that today. But, but this is an important conversation, specifically because we don't talk about this uh, in terms of the dissolution of same-sex marriage or the divorce, what to do, how it's different. In this hour, that's what we're talking about uh, with Professor Goldberg. So um, before the break, we were talking a little bit about some of the unique stresses, and you mentioned the socioeconomic ones, the um, the issues around um, discrimination and so on and so forth. And I was curious about the cross-cultural effects. Do you find that here in the United States? How extensive was your research? Was it just in the United States, or, or how, how far did it span? Um, so the book, there are people who kind of reviewed the research, you know, certain chapters on, the, you know, research on same-sex couples in other countries, mostly the Netherlands and the U.K., other Western um, countries. But um, my, my, my specific work, which, again, as you said, has followed uh, lesbian, gay, and heterosexual couples for about 15 years, the majority of them are in the United States. There's a couple of families from Canada, but predominantly in the U.S. Got it. Okay. So we can sort of uh, venture a guess in saying that these stressors are Western, universally Western, right? Yeah. Uh, for the most part. Okay. Because we have folks listening all over the world. So it may be different where you're at, and we want to hear from you. And you need to show us your research <laughs> to us because we need to add to the list here. Um, there is certainly not enough research, so we're, we're delighted that you've compiled this for us all. Um, any other stress factors that you think are worth mentioning before we move on? Anything unique or a, a story that might exemplify yeah. some of these stresses that folks are facing in these marriages or our relationships? Yeah. So I think it's important to think about stresses as kind of piling on, right, and also interacting with each other. So I'm right now thinking of a same-sex couple, that a female couple, um, and they both worked um, in lower-wage jobs, um, 
and they had adopted they adopted a child with special needs, right? So they're a female couple. They're not making a ton of money. They adopt a child with pretty significant cognitive and physical deficits. Um, and this couple had some, unfortunately, some things that were kind of uh, working against them from the beginning. So one of the partners had a substance use problem, um, and they were pretty isolated from their families. So they lived um, in a rural area and were not, um, didn't have much of an LGBT community and were living far apart from their family's origin. So this is a couple that did end up splitting up. Um, and I guess we can kind of think about all these different stressors, kind of one on top of the other, right? So they didn't have a lot of family support. Um, one partner had a substance use issue. They adopted a child with a lot of needs. They had financial problems. Um, they were also living in a pretty conservative state without a lot of support. So when we think about a couple that ends up splitting up, it's, again, not usually one thing. It's usually a whole bunch of different things working um, together, and in this case, against this couple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that is completely understandable, and if you're out there, you're just joining us. Now you are tuning into real-time relationships. I'm talking with Professor Abby Goldberg, and they this gorgeous compilation, LGBTQ Divorce and Relationship Dissolution book. We're, we're going over the unique circumstances um, and all of all of the all that's involved, really, in in uh, relationship dissolution and divorce for same-sex marriages. Um, so. Right, compound stress, so many things to consider, and, and again, not dissimilar from anyone in relationship except adding on top of the normal stress, right? Even in a great scenario that's, you know, mainstream relationship that there's stress, you add all of these other stresses, and it seems very difficult to endure relationships in general. Um, what do we know about some of the coping mechanisms that same-sex folks are using? Are they, um, I didn't see this in the book, but I'm wondering what are the coping styles? Is it therapy and, and medication and all that for stress and anxiety, or, or is there a stigma attached to reaching out for help? What do we know about that? Hmm. Um, I mean, I think a lot of the, the sort of positive ways that, that same-sex couples cope would be the same ways that, you know, heterosexual couples cope. But, in fact, they probably have certain, high, you know, more highly, uh, highly finely tuned, I guess I would say, uh, coping mechanisms in mm-hmm. the face of, of stigma. So, for mm-hmm. example, a lot of same-sex couples are really adept at looking for and reaching out for support, mm-hmm. um, partly because they have experience not getting the support that they might right. need or want right. from family, for example. Mm-hmm. So... They might be really good at asking for support from friends, looking for an LGBT community either in their area or online. I mean, that's the great thing is that if you live in a place where there isn't so much support, there's um, a whole world online um, where you can access support. Exactly. That's great. Okay, let's talk a little bit about binationality. One of my colleagues and a dear friend just met his beloved, and he is from can't remember which country. It's not one. It's Croatia, maybe. Anyway, they're in love, and they are, you know, going for it. They both recognize they want to be together, and they're having some cultural challenges, as it turns out, Um, things that obviously long distance is not going to be a problem in the long term because he's moving here. But what do folks face when they get into this same-sex scenario and there is a binationality issue? What do we know about that? 
Um, well, there is the, you didn't really explicitly name it, but there is the challenge for binational couples to bear um, in terms of just the legal hurdles that they need to face in terms yeah. of both people being in the same area, especially mm-hmm. right now for same-sex couples. Um, so there is that. Yeah. There's, of course, just the cultural differences, right? So, you know, coming from different fa- different family backgrounds, if one person is from maybe a more culturally or religiously mm-hmm. conservative family, mm-hmm. um, they might face more challenges in terms of um, just a lack of support for their relationship because, of course, that family might be uh, turned off by the idea of this relationship not only because it's, you know, cross-cultural, maybe inter uh, you know, interreligious or interethnic, mm-hmm. but also it's a same-sex couple. And again, this, depending on the values there, that might be a, a major stressor. But mm-hmm. I can't emphasize enough the legal challenges that binational couples right now are facing um, around immigration and um, oh, yeah. the additional challenges for, for same-sex couples there. So, for example, are they um, having a harder time than the average bear? I mean, because of that, is there this sort of um, implicit um, uh, discrimination. I mean, that seems so obvious, but I mean, what do I we think know it's, about it's, that? it's perhaps not implicit. It may be explicit. Um, <laughs> that you well, know, if okay you are then. trying to get a well, you know, right now it's, it's there's a lot of barriers to immigration, and so if, if you are a same-sex couple living in the U.S. and you're trying to what um, citizen, then that is certainly something to be concerned about okay. right yes. now. Um, so many LGBT asylum groups are, are very focused on that on that area right now. Okay. All right, everybody, sit tight. We will be right back right here in Real-Time Relationships with Dr. Abby Goldberg talking about LGBTQ divorce and relationship dissolution. We're going to be actually talking about what happens when the relationship starts to turn from marriage or coupledom into Uh, dissolution and divorce when we get back right after these messages. Do you have relationship questions? I wish my past relationships didn't affect my relationships now to the point that I project them onto my partner. I'm perpetually single. What does that mean? You know, I've been single for 15 years, and at this point, I can hardly even imagine what intimacy and total connection would even feel like. The part of my relationship with a man that I've had in my life for so many years that keeps me here and present is that the relationship is not just about me, about us. We come in at it 50-50, and it feels so good when you can help that other person move forward and they can help you. To get answers to your relationship questions, call in to Real-Time Relationships with Marianne Camarado every fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on HealthyLife.net. Get high-quality glasses, sunglasses, and prescription lenses at eyeglasses.com. Choose from over 250,000 items and 400 brands. Already have frames? Get replacement lenses. It's easy. Go to our advertiser page and click eyeglasses.com. You have too little time to shop, so try Farm Fresh to you. They deliver organic food the way nature intended. Delivered straight to your home or office. Economically. Visit our web advertiser page and click on Farm Fresh to You now. All positive talk with a mature edge. HealthyLife.net.
Welcome back, everybody. You've tuned in to Real-Time Relationships. I'm Dr. Marianne Camarado. We're so glad you're here. Today we have Dr. Abby Goldberg with us. Um, she has written and is part of this really awesome compilation of LGBTQ divorce and relationship dissolution stories, perspectives, implications, et cetera, et cetera, um, psychological and legal practices uh, for you um, to make reference to if you or your beloved or someone you know is going through this. Um, this is probably the uh, foremost authority right here, right now, given there is not that much much research out there. So we are hanging on your every word, Abby. Um, this is really, really quite fascinating um, that if you think about it, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we might have had this conversation in private or quietly, right? We, we weren't doing this out loud the way we are today. That's progress, some would say. But at the same time, there's a lot of anger around that and frustration that these conversations aren't more prolific or widely available. Well, in the West, we're changing that. We're excited about that. We're glad that you're one of the forerunners. Um, that being said, um, let's, let's take a turn back to the relationship itself and talk a little bit about what you think are the main reasons um, that folks in same-sex marriages um, divorce or end their relationship over. Mm -hmm. So when we, first of all, to sort of preface that, to, there is a lot of pressure, I will say, on same-sex couples to to stay together, right, to not divorce, because, mm -hmm. of course, marriage equality was is this hard-won battle, right? And so same-sex couples who've gotten married, um, particularly those with kids, they do face a lot of outside pressure to keep their relationships together. And so just like heterosexual couples, when things start, start to fall apart, you know, there is that added concern or worry. How will this look? How will people respond? They'll say that our relationships weren't very, you know, viable or solid to begin with. Right. Um, but in terms of the things that actually lead people to split or divorce, and, you know, a lot of them are similar to heterosexual couples, right? So we know um, that, you know, when people, of course, you know, they go for a divorce, that one of the things they, they often cite is irreconcilable differences, right? right, right. Um, and what, that can encompass a whole lot of different things, but basically I think it means that, you know, we tried for a long time, we couldn't, we couldn't work it out, we fought all the time, we couldn't see eye to eye. And, you know, there's so much embedded in there, but there could be financial disagreements, parenting disagreements. Mm -hmm. um, these are two big things. Uh, just personality differences, right? So the things that drew you to each other um, became, you know, the things that drew you apart. So your differences mm -hmm. became, you know, un, un, um, just, kind of too, just too unwieldy um, to kind of manage. Uh, intimacy issues, sex, uh, affairs, these are things that same-sex couples that I talked to talked about, you know, not just physical affairs, but emotional affairs um, were sometimes the kind of final blow in a relationship. Uh, disagreements about the division of housework and child care, um, again, things like money, just differences of opinion about how to spend money, substance use issues, um, sex addiction, you know, all of these are things that, that I've taught, you know, people have cited as, as reasons um, mm -hmm. for, for splitting up. Yeah. And, you know, I almost feel like I, I can hear myself you know, doing the othering, right, mm -hmm. this idea that there's this traditional relationship and we compare every other relationship to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so this, this, this same-sex marriage in some ways 
if you're not someone who is in a, a, a other than a heteronormative relationship, you, you just feel like you're always being compared to the traditional relationship. And I, I'm really finding myself challenged by asking these questions from a neutral place. And I, I just want to say that out loud because I, I feel like it's a bias even as an interviewer. I'm trying not to do that. Mm-hmm. And I notice I keep coming back to some baseline that, that I don't even realize my own, you know, my own, uh, predisposed proclivity or ideas about relationship are. So I, I really, I apologize for that. I'm trying to find other language to talk about these folks' challenges without comparing well, I, them, I, right? Yeah. I think that's an important point, which is that so many of the things, really everything I just mentioned, is a reason that a straight couple might get divorced for. And that's one yeah. of the really interesting and important findings, that a lot of the things, really most of the things that, you know, cause couples to split up, you know, they're the same things that straight yeah. couples talk about. Um, right. I will say that there's a, there's some unique stressors, right? So, again, you know, it's not just maybe I hate your in-laws, but your in-laws don't accept me right. as your partner. So there is that kind of unique um, spin or flavor to it in, in some cases where, right. um, you know, it, it, it is colored by the minority right. stress right. that these same-sex couples face. Yeah. It's the good news and the bad news, in a way, sure. right? It's yeah. the same yeah. and it's different because you can think about, oh, well, you know, your husband's older than you or you're younger right. or I have, I have a girlfriend mm-hmm. who's in a relationship with a guy who's 27 years her junior and yep. seriously half of her friends sort of turn their back on her. Yep. You know, the judgment that you feel. So you understand that anything that moves outside of the, the, the norm, uh, you become stigmatized. It's so challenging. and. Um, it's, it's really unfortunate. So I, I think it's important to keep talking about this so people know that, yeah, everybody goes through some version of this, and there are unique differences here. One of the other differences I'm curious about is the grieving process, mm-hmm. right? How do same-sex folks uh, cope uh, with loss? Is it in, in similar, did you find, or, or different than the, the hetero folks? So loss in general or the loss, loss of, of relationships? relationships. Yeah. Loss so of relationships. The, end, yeah, the ending of a relationship, that's a, re- that's a great question. Um, I think there are, of course, you know, a, a, a lot of interesting similarities. Um, but I actually think, and this is what we found, is that um, there was this really remarkable, I think, ability to see the positives uh, around the ending of a relationship. So to talk a lot about growth. An opportunity. Um, I'm thinking specifically of a woman who she split up with her wife, and um, she was like, "I'm going to pursue my dreams of being a stand-up comedian," and she did. She started like going out at night and you know performing stand-up. So, uh, not to say in a straight couple that couldn't happen, but it really was remarkable the kind of focus on opportunity. Mm. There's also the the reality that same-sex couples, um, you know don't necessarily want to involve the legal system to the same extent as heterosexual couples. So they might use mediators or collaborative legal approaches. And so the process might be less drawn out, and they may be able to come up with a mutually satisfying, for example, custody arrangement Mm -hmm. that allows both partners to see the child equally, and things are maybe resolved a little bit easier, and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. this drawn-out affair um, mm-hmm. that disadvantages one or both partners. So, I'm going to venture a word here, uh, mature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds, yeah. sounds more mature. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? 
Well, again, we, we did find that same-sex couples were more likely to share custody. Um, again, that could have a lot to do with kind of a valuing of equality, the fact that they were more maybe more equal parents in their relationship than in heterosexual couples on average. Um, so that translated to what happened after the marriage ended. There are, of course, always exceptions. I would say that in all types of couples, there's mature, and then there's mature. That's right. That's right. right. So I can think of exceptions, and I can think of situations where people didn't behave as well as they might have. Well, my personal experience is I see a great deal of maturity, uh, you're right, in, in all different kinds of couples. So... Yes, everybody, sit tight. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the kids. We're going to talk about the, the legal challenges a little bit more, and uh, then we're going to take us to the top of the hour. Um, but before we do that, sit tight. We'll be back in just a minute right after these messages. Do you have relationship questions? I wish my past relationships didn't affect my relationships now to the point that I project them onto my partner. I'm perpetually single. What does that mean? You know, I've been single for 15 years, and at this point, I can hardly even imagine what intimacy and total connection would even feel like. The part of my relationship with a man that I've had in my life for so many years that keeps me here and present is that the relationship is not just about me, about us. We come in at 50-50 and it feels so good when you can help that other person move forward and they can help you. To get answers to your relationship questions, call in to Real Time Relationships with Marianne Camarado every fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on HealthyLife.net. Radio your way. HealthyLife.net Welcome back, everybody. I have a lot of ground we want to cover in this last segment. Uh, Dr. Abby Goldberg is joining me. We're talking about her book, LGBTQ, Divorce and Relationship Dissolution. So, um, Abby, the grieving process is what we talked about uh, when we just went to break, prior to going to the break. Now let's talk about, and you mentioned kids and um, custody and so on. Let's talk a little bit about how children might be affected, um, either similarly or different or uniquely in same-sex marriage, dissolution, and divorce. Yeah. Um, So, you know, kids may have a difficult time adjusting to divorce, right? That's just something that we know. They can struggle with the feeling of loss and trans going from one household to two households. Um, Now, remember that same-sex couples often adopt their children. Um, So one thing that the couples in my research have talked about a lot is this awareness that, you know, when they adopted, they adopted a child who'd already suffered losses. And so 
they can often are often very sensitive to the fact that this same this child might be experiencing an even more kind of um, profound or exaggerated loss response when their parents split up. It might really bring mm-hmm. back a lot of their early loss experiences. So that's something that can be unique. Um, and another thing that can be unique is that same-sex couples um, and their relationships may not be viewed as real or as valid or as meaningful. Um, although that's changing. And so when a split happens, um, kids might, you know, not get the same kind of sympathy or response that a kid of a straight couple experiences, um, which is, of course, horrible because they're experiencing, you know, the divorce of their, of their parents. But people may not take it as seriously, um, although, again, I think that that is, is changing. Yeah, that's a whole area that I think is pretty fascinating, just adopted kids in general and divorce, right? And then you add this layer, uh, this unique layer. There's definitely um, some interesting material there and some real hardship and challenges with those yeah. folks. So um, let's let's move on and talk a little bit about the legal challenges folks are having here um, as they end these marriages. Uh, you mentioned earlier that they're more likely or often likely to um, find mediation or be creative about the way they end. But let's say they, they do approach the legal system proper. What are the challenges they're running into? Well, they're running into the problem that, you know, marital law is really built around straight couples. Mm-hmm. And so there are all kinds of um, assumptions in the law um, that, treat men and women differently and that assume a female and male coupling. And so, again, while that is changing, historically, you know, women have been granted more alimony by men. Women Mm -hmm. have been granted um, primary custody and men have been, you know, treated as the breadwinners. And so when you take a same-sex couple, um, there are all kinds of assumptions or just kind of Or it's just too confusing, right, for a judge trying to decide on these factors. So a judge, for example, might um, see a male same-sex couple and be inclined to award custody to the person that he views as more, quote-unquote, maternal. Uh, Or maybe he will want to assign it to the more, quote-unquote, masculine partner, the one who is the primary breadwinner, who's doing a better, quote-unquote, job as a man. I mean, we really don't know. It really depends on a lot of the beliefs and stereotypes and ideologies of the judge. Um, So that's just one example, but I could say this a bunch. (laughs) No, I I think that uh, this is, again, very fascinating and um, probably extremely difficult for folks um, who don't have uh, the history to support them as they're moving through this, um, these challenges. Let's talk about the, the last issue here that we can squeeze in before we get to the top of the hour, and let's talk about these different gender dynamics. We've talked about same-sex couples, but how, how about if we've got trans folks, lesbian, mm-hmm. and, and so on and so forth, if you mix this up a little, what do we know about um, the, the different uh, ways of, of coupling and how, and, and how they are challenged? We haven't talked so much about them. So trans folks specifically in divorce? Yeah, or trans. Female versus male couples? Yeah, either, any of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. just take your pick, really. Let's go down the line. Okay. Um, so, well, uh, if we're just going to start simple on female versus male same-sex couples, again, you know, some of the unique things they might face in divorce. Um, so lesbian couples, you know, often one partner will have the child and the other part will not. 
so that can present an issue when they mm-hmm. divorce because, you know, the judge may, for example, privilege the bio mom and, and see her as more of the mother um, than the non-bio mother. Um, gay male couples are more likely, if there's children involved, to have adopted children, so that might not be as much of an issue. Um, men have more money than women on average, so that's one thing that advantages them, um, but also can be more complicated in terms of dividing up assets. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is really quick, but trans folks um, in terms of divorce. So when folks start to transition during a relationship, that can sometimes, um, you know, create a, a, a challenge for the relationship. And often trans folks will get divorced um, because of the mm-hmm. impact on the relationship. It's something that yeah. the other partner may not have mm-hmm. expected. They might view it as a violation of trust. They may simply not be able to adjust their own sexual identity and orientation. Um, so those relationships might be more likely to dissolve. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, I think this is a good place for us. I, I can feel it in my own self. I just want to pause. Um, we've been talking a lot about statistics. We've been talking a lot about, um, you know, sort of categor- being categorical about how these things happen. But we, I want to point out that this is all um, uh, in the spirit of trying to find, uh, through these differences, ways to address some of these challenges, ultimately. You know, research um, isn't just for the sake of research, right? It's, it's so we can understand, have compassion, uh, find solutions, ultimately, and I can just feel in my own body and my heart right now this, this sense of you know, when something's under a microscope, it starts to feel it feels funny to me. So I just want to pause here with you and thank you for all of your work that you've done over the years, uh, taking on these these really challenging inquiries. The research is beautiful. Uh, the the progress that you're making, along with your other colleagues, is it's truly exemplary and. And uh, we appreciate the effort that you've made. We're, we're coming to the top of the hour, Abby. What do you want to leave us with today? Oh, well, I guess I would, I would probably leave you with the same message you started with, which is that, you know, divorce isn't necessarily a bad thing. It can be um, the ending of something can be the beginning of something. And I think divorce in our society is, is often really stigmatized. And, of course, it's not a happy thing. Um, but it's also not, it's not all doom and gloom, right? There can be really positive, um, there can be really positive things happening on the other side. And so, you know, having a lot of compassion for yourself and anyone going through it is probably the message I would want to leave anyone with. Yeah, that's a beautiful message. We appreciate your time. We know you're a busy lady, and uh, we hope to hear more from you. Any new books on the horizon? Any new research? Yes. Yes, I have a book coming out on open adoption and diverse families. Oh, beautiful. I've researched the last 15 years. Gorgeous. Well, we wish you the best of luck with this book and your new coming book. And uh, thank you for taking time to be with us today. Thank you. Okay, everybody sit tight. We're going to stop for a moment uh, for station identification, and then we'll be back for our wrap right after these messages.
Audiobooks gives you instant access to over 50,000 of the best sellers and hottest book titles in romance, mystery, fiction, and many other genres. Just visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Audiobooks to get started. Do you have relationship questions? I wish my past relationships didn't affect my relationships now to the point that I project them onto my partner. I'm perpetually single. What does that mean? You know, I've been single for 15 years, and at this point, I can hardly even imagine what intimacy and total connection would even feel like. The part of my relationship with a man that I've had in my life for so many years that keeps me here and present is that the relationship is not just about me, about us. We come in at 50-50, and it feels so good when you can help that other person move forward, and they can help you. To get answers to your relationship questions, call in to Real-Time Relationships with Marianne Camarado every fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on HealthyLife.net. ASMC, the premier German company that supplies everything for adventure, from outdoor clothes to outdoor gear, even backpacks. Lots of quality and lots of specials. To start your adventure, go to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ASMC. You're listening to CHSR Real Radio on the web. joining us today, everybody. Um, you have been tuned in to Real-Time Relationships. Uh, for more information about other topics and relationship concerns, you can go to www.mariannecomerado.com. And um, we wish you every blessing on the rest of your journey. We hope today's program was helpful and informative. If you want to get a copy of Abby Goldberg's book, you can go to Amazon. It's called LGBTQ Divorce and Relationship Dissolution. Um, Okay, we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye for now.